when things aren't going well on a film set. Sometimes you want to borrow a phrase from Shakespeare and yell out, SPLUD. It means God's blood. Now, Abby never quite yelled that exact word at me. However, sometimes when you're on a film set, there are other phrases that come up too. Here's another one. Horrible villain, or I'll spurn thine eyes like balls before me, I'll unhair thy head. She never quite said that in this film, Punch Me In, that I happen to be in, uh, that she did recently with me in Boston. But I will tell you in Boston, back in 2010, I shared the stage with Addie Doyle, and we did the scene from Antony and Cleopatra, and she yelled those very things at me while pretending to choke me for theatrical purposes. We reunited last December, and now she's submitting Punch Me in the film festivals. We talk all about that and her illustrious career as a filmmaker, film producer, and actress in Los Angeles. It's coming up on Open Loops. I consider it an affront to my family that you... Haven't heard about Anchor. It's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. Okay. Let me let me just lay this out for you. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And and get this. Okay. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money, moolah, from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Open loops. Open loops. Open loops. Open loops. Open loops. You must listen to the open loops, a theme park for absurd beliefs and systems of integration between the mind and the creative spirit. Open loops. It all started in Boston with this guest today. Now, we're not in Boston right now. You're not in Boston right now for sure. I mean, you, who I'm talking to, you are, you're looking for some intellectual stimulation. Otherwise, you wouldn't be here. You're looking for a head trip. You're looking for a brain warp. You're looking for the matrix to be shattered. Do not worry. You're still in the right place. This is Open Loops, a theme park for your intellect and your imagination. And you are going to go on a trip all the way to Los Angeles today. We have Addie Doyle on the show. I'm very good friends with Addie. She is a fantastically talented actress. She's a great filmmaker, writer, producer, director. And I had the distinct honor in being a film star for once a little bit. Uh, well, 
a supporting role, a supporting role, in her short film, Punch Me In, about the local recording artist scene in Boston, Massachusetts. It's a tribute film. You're going to learn all about it. You're also going to learn about what happens on a film set when Addie can't be in the moment. That's right. She spills some actor secrets on you. You'll also learn in this episode, and this is very key, what is the difference between typecasting and essence? This, to me, is one of the most interesting distinctions I've ever heard. Because they tell you a lot about, in acting school, they tell you a lot about type. What's your type? Uh, for, for a while, I was telling people I'm a Chinese restaurant relatable intellectual. Nebish, too. That was the other word. Nebish. Yeah, what was it? Chinese restaurant intellectual. Nebish. Relatable. Those were my words. But it turns out it can be even simpler. What if I were to tell you all human beings operate on a spectrum between two specific words? We're going to get into all of that. It was a thrilling discussion. Now, if you enjoy this sort of discussion, please do subscribe, rate, and review Open Loops on Apple Podcasts and iTunes. For now, though, Addie Doyle brings it, and I was so honored to be in her film. Check it out. She's coming right up. Lights. Camera. Podcast. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, we have actress, filmmaker, gold digger, which we're going to mm. get into what that means. Uh, Addie Doyle is on the Open Loops podcast. Addie, thank you for coming on today. Thank you so much for having me, Greg. This is amazing. Yes. You know, so, so to give some context to everybody, uh, Addie and I met each other at the Commonwealth Shakespeare. We were the first class to be in the Commonwealth Shakespeare Apprentice Program. When was it, like 2009, I think? I think it was 2009, summer 2009. Summer 2010. To 2010, wow. Yeah, I graduated wow, wow, wow. high school 2009. I was going to my soft, I just finished my freshman year at NYU. Yeah. this was the summer program that I applied to in between freshman and sophomore year. Yes. And you know what? I don't know if you experienced this, but I definitely felt that, I mean, in general, I think we both just like connected as people, but it was also like I was this New York person going to this program and everybody was like in Emerson or they were in the BC program. There was a girl in the Tufts theater program. Like it was a very New England based, mm. uh, some Brandeis students, very New England based group of kids. And I kind of, kind of was like, oh God, like I'm this NYU person, like trying to get into the Boston theater scene a little bit here. And then you were like, I saw, I met you and you were like, hey, I'm at NYU. I went to Strasburg and I was like, oh, wow, wow. I feel like that was like a key moment for us. Uh, yeah. And we really connected. We did. We fought a little bit about Strasburg versus Adler because at yes. NYU. Yes. At NYU were like sorted into houses like Harry Potter and yes. at Hogwarts. And we were in sort of opposing school. I mean, that's complete bullshit because it's actually the same thing. They, they all yes. stem from Stanislavski, but we yes. had some interesting debates, which I loved. Yes. I, I, I you were one of those kids that like love talking about acting theory as so you much. were learning it. So much. I'm such like a theory. Yeah. I love acting theory yes. so much. 
and I, I could just talk about it all the time. I think it's really, it's really fun. It's just that it's not like, I, I don't know if it now applies to my current life, but it's fun to talk about and like debate about, but I think that's super, that's just because you're in school. And I think that now that I'm, you know, wow, I think I'm 10 years older. Yeah. um, And, you know, I've had professional experience now, you know, it doesn't matter. Everything is really valuable and important. And I think back then I was like, no, I'm on the right side. And yes, yes. Well, actually, you know what, here's what I'm curious about. And, and, you know, we're going to talk about the main reason I, I definitely had you on today, because you were like, Greg, we're about to submit this film that you were in uh, to some fest- festivals. And I definitely want to talk to you about that. But you know what, just like, let's talk about your acting life for a second. Mm. You've been in Los Angeles mm-hmm. for, I mean, how many years now? I've lived here for six years six years. Mm -hmm. So you've been out and you've done, I mean, you know, you've been on, you've been on uh, regular national television, like, like shows on ABC, you've done Mm -hmm. web series, you've been in short films, feature films. Mm -hmm. When you're on a set, how often does a teacher's voice from Strasbourg enter your head? Like how technical does it get to that level of technique from school Uh at all? That's a great question. I think the big thing that repeats in my head, if I'm I think if I'm having a moment of insecurity, like I'm not really sure uh, if I'm doing the right thing or I'm making the right choice or I'm understanding the writer um, Mm. properly, I think that it really just comes down to, I had a teacher named Robert Ellerman who's still there and still teaching. He was also like a disciple of uh, Bobby Lewis, who's also oh, yes. from the group, theater. The group was, theater. Yes. Yeah. So he's like a direct descendant of, of not, not biologically, but um, he right. worked with him very intensely. And he just said all this, it, it's the only question you need to ask yourself is, can I believe this? Can I believe, can I believe this? And I think it's just getting to that point where you just are so, you, you have this map of what you're doing but then at the same time, you have to like let go within that map. That The mapping out is so that you're honoring the writer's vision, the direct vision, the producer's vision, and also like the audience. Mm-hmm. And then just kind of marrying that with also like living in the moment and having those like deep moments of connection, which don't happen all the time on stage or on film. But when they do, you're like, oh, this is why I do this. Like you're just yes. so energized yes. and- you're like, I see that person. Like I see them. Um, yeah. And that's the big, that's the, I think that's one of, was one of the biggest takeaways for me was like, can I believe this? Yeah. Yeah. So that'll yeah. repeat sometimes in my head. That's very cool. And what I also just really think is interesting is, you know, I, 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 I read an interview with you where you were talking about like wanting to be a triple threat growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea mm-hmm. of being like an actor, singer, dancer. Um, mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> there was one time that I was in like a bookstore in, I think it was in Cape Cod. And these old guys were like, like the, these old men were in the movie section. I was just rousing the movie section and these old like film buffs were like, talking and they they looked at me and they engaged me in a conversation they were like you know do you know judy garland used to perform in film but then at night she would go out to these concert halls and still perform for a crowd even when she wasn't doing films she would still do it she had it these young actors today they don't do any of that stuff 
I find it so interesting that like, I think you still need to do theater, Addy. Like you, you can't just do film. Like you always find a way to do theater somehow. Like, do you feel like that's just, and you're like a theater nerd and lover. Like, is mm. that just an essential part of everything you do? Like, how does it factor in when LA is so film and TV based? Yeah. And I, I've done some theater here and I've produced a little bit of theater out here as well. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I think it is, you know, and I've debated about, I mean, I like debates. So yeah, yeah. Um, I've debated about this too. There are two very, they are different and similar at the same time. Because, you know, if you really can do a full show from start to finish, and do the rehearsal process and live in that space and really like, again, go back, going back to that, like believe for two and a half hours, you know, it makes transitioning to film a lot easier. However, there's a lot on film you cannot get away with that you can get away with in theater. And I think that that's something that um, some people like fight about, like want to say like, oh, film's so easy. And yeah. I, and I, I don't agree with that. Like there's so much like, in a f- film auditions to me, like there is, you just cannot get away with certain stuff. Like they just see right through. I mean, like with a camera this close, like you can't lie, no lies, yes. no room for lies. In yeah. a so it's tougher that way because you have to be so in the zone because in theater what's nice about it is that there's distance no one can touch you like as soon as it's like you know curtain up and the music starts playing if you're in a musical or whatever play like nobody's going to interrupt your process they can't maybe somebody backstage but like really you can hide or whatever yeah on the film set you don't have that luxury as an actor usually there's so much going on around you. And there's, I mean, there's sometimes 200 people doing very important things around you, moving incredibly expensive and heavy objects. So you have to like really concentrate. It's just a different level of endurance. It's a longer day as a Mm -hmm. film actor. It can be two hours. It can be 16 to 18. So that's a level of endurance that's different. And then with traditional theater, it's eight shows a week. And that's a very different level of endurance because- you know, you're just, you're in this, this rhythm. So I have respect for both because they're both very, very different, very, um, there's an exhaustion and an endurance that's different for both. I don't know if that even answered answer your question, but you crave both. Yeah, yeah. For well, sure. that's the like, thing. I mean, you're a gold digger, right? Like, <laughs> I think someone that is, like, future-oriented. I And, and we mm-hmm. talked about this last year when you came to uh, you came to New York because you had a, sh- uh, a short film yeah. that was premiering as part of a festival. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we were talking about sort of, like, the way... You came to Chelsea. I think it was Chelsea Film Festival, right? That's so yeah, I think yeah. so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and I was like, Addie, what, what are you like, what gets you up every day? Like, how are you like, what is even like, are you trying to audition every day? Is the focus like focusing on acting? Is the focus on doing film now? Like, how do you kind of wrap your mindset around this work? And your answer was, Greg, I just take on creative projects. I like, I follow my creativity and then have a project based around that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I think that I, learned pretty, I'm sure that you can relate to this as well coming out of NYU that, you know, you assume that because, you know, Tish is a very, it's a, it's a fancy drama school. 
And you come out and you think that like, that's going to mean something. And it does kind of, it doesn't necessarily always help you get a job or get an agent or anything. What is the street cred on Tish out there? Like, I have no idea. I haven't been out there like to audition. Like if people know that you went to Tish, like, like what is the, what are some of the common reactions in Los Angeles? Um, Do people care at all? I think actors, I think, I don't know. I don't, I never really got reactions from like agents or managers over it, but I did from fellow actors. There's definitely respect. Um, And I think also from like filmmaker, like from, from other people who are like make, I think like directors or people who it's never really been on like the casting or agent manager side that I've kind of heard like, oh, wow. Or it's people who are not in the business at all and are like, yeah. oh, you went to Tish. And that always feels good because I think when I moved out here, I was like, well, I guess it didn't really matter that I went to this fancy drama school for four yes. years. Um, yeah. But I think more than anything, it's the community. Like I moved out here and I knew I literally had been to LA once for a week and I was like, I'm moving. And I knew 11 people when I got here and they were all NYU people. So there's yeah. that. And I immediately had a network. So, um, so yeah. So back to what you were saying about like you go to Tish. It's yeah. a fancy drama school mm-hmm. and, um, you know, they, they don't really, it was tough. You know, when we were there, at least when we had our overlapping period, you're two years younger than me, mm-hmm. the lady in charge of the program, Liz Bradley was trying and to a lot of people's dismay, honestly, yeah. um, trying to bring business into it. Mm-hmm. Um, but the bottom line is that, yeah, when you go to a school like this, like they really do not you say that Because I thought that Liz took out the showcase. She, she came from Carnegie Mellon and she took, I thought she took out the showcase and that, that's what I thought really like stunted. Really? The people, yeah, the people, and I think it's back now. I can't, I don't quote me on that, but yeah, I thought it was back, but the showcase, which is like as a senior, there was one showcase for like all studios and you are, you had to audition for it, but they couldn't guarantee that as a Tisch graduate that you got to audition for agents and managers, which I think is a colossal failure of Tisch mm. for everybody who graduated from there, that there's no kind of uh, Stone Street kind of does that. And there's some sort of general showcase but i thought i thought liz was the reason that that no longer existed even though i she did take may a business have been she i may took have a business been. class with her though that was i took the business of right the art the art of the business of art or something interesting but yeah yeah, yeah yeah i don't know like what decisions you know like like to yeah. me that maybe that was like a specific decision that she made that she thought didn't fit in but i do know that at least the teachers at stella adler were mm. communicating that it seemed like this new head of tish was much more i mean there was talk about like requiring everybody to go to stone street at one point wow. which honestly really wish i'd done yeah. um just because stone street was the film acting studio yes stone street was Sorry, and you know when i did the elective uh i it was the film and tv acting studios like as you you know and when, when you go to tish your first two years are required to be in your primary training studio um and stone street is like an advanced one so once you get to your junior or senior year uh, some people you know some people once they they spend like the last two semesters or, or the, the four semesters at uh, Stone Street if they want but 
if you're looking to break into the biz, like that is the one where you're actually meeting agents mm -hmm. and casting directors. Uh, you went there. I mean, did I you did you feel like you got like some sort of business insight that you wouldn't have otherwise? Yeah, I thought it was helpful to audition for agents and managers. You know, I, I thought that, that that was a great exercise. And I did think, you know, I actually, I have a teacher from Stone Street that I'm still um, actually, like, I would consider him like a, ment a mentor friend at this point. He's moved out to LA and is a filmmaker. And I learned a lot from him. And um, also, just, like, he's a really great director and just his way of, like, working with actors and kind of learning how to work cameras. And we got to work cameras, which I think is incredibly valuable. I think that learning, like, just learning also like what goes on behind the camera and learning how to direct is really important. That makes you a way better actor mm -hmm. because you just get, you just get it. Like you just don't take shit personally and yeah. you're just like, Oh, Oh, like now I understand like why this is the way that it is. So I feel like I did learn, I, I did learn um, some good I felt like I learned good acting stuff, like reading copy for like a commercial audition. We did some voiceover work too. There were some really good teachers that I really liked that came in and out of Stone Street, but I felt like I learned the most about the business when I moved to Los Angeles and I started taking class at Leslie Kahn. Oh. Um, and where I met my still acting coach and um, like basically made most of my best friends out here in LA who I'm still very close to. And I did that like the second month that I was in LA. And that's really where I was like, oh my God, I didn't even learn this in school. Like I didn't even, Yeah. it was just very, I had a, I think because of the solid acting foundation I had, it was really helpful and I'm very grateful for that. It just was like, this isn't, this is an advanced course about the business and about marketing yourself and about branding that like we really didn't touch on. Wow. Wow. I, you know, I, I don't want to go too far down this rabbit hole, but I am kind of curious, like broad strokes, Addie, yeah. what like, like what are some types of things that you experienced from this, these advanced classes that like you really didn't get at all in New York City? Um, I think knowing, oh, the biggest thing to everyone's surprise when they think about LA stereotypes is yeah. I actually felt they really taught me you are not in competition with anybody else. You wow. are just in competition with yourself. You might look like another girl, but guess what? Nobody's going to do it like you because you mm -hmm. have your own essence. I learned about essence more than I learned about type and you know that I can't do everything. I should not play every role. That's a thing. That was another thing because I think in school it's kind of like do everything, but you know, yes. you're stretching, so that's fine. But Realistically, I should not play every role and I need to know my essence and love that essence because it's not just a type. Like a type is a box. This is how yeah. they describe it. There's a box. You're in that box. Look at every actor that you admire. They did that for a while and then they got out of that box and now they're in another box and then they're going to. So it's not a permanent thing, but your essence is permanent. Mm, wow. Wow. This is like kind of mind blowing to me. Like what is your essence? I mean, mm -hmm. if we're going to look at like big name actors, um, you know, I, I guess I would say like, eh, well, Leo DiCaprio being like the biggest name actor I can think of. Like, do you have words you could put to his essence? 
I think a good a good example that was given to me that I can just tell you like right off. Yeah, yeah. Tell me the off the top of, my of your head. head. I'm curious. Because I then took an from Leslie Kahn, I then took another class with Sam Christensen. May he rest in peace. He he died last year, but he taught this master class on I think it was like an eight week master class on literally your essence, just like getting to your essence. Yeah. And it was probably the most valuable class I've ever taken because not only was it anyway, so we talked about this and he he talks about this very, very specifically. He said that you play, you work on a basically on a spectrum of basically like two words. And that's all you will play for the rest of your life. And it is actually something that affects you in your day-to-day life. So he's like, look at Keanu Reeves. His spectrum or his polarity is yeah. lucky and unlucky. So uh-huh. that's all, those are the only pe- like characters he plays. And that is also what haunts him in his real life. He's either really, really lucky or really, really unlucky. He's had incredible tragedy in his personal life, but also incredible luck. And that, wow. and he plays Neo, the one he played, you know, in the matrix and yeah. so he, and in John Wick, he loses his dog and he, you know, like, but he's the special, you know, he gets very unlucky in that movie. So he only operates on a spectrum of lucky and unlucky. Oh my gosh. So that's you, essence. That's amazing. This is like, the, I, I, I So it's not a type, this. it's an essence. So he, based on his physical appearance, but your physical appearance can change and always is changing, but his essence, he will play that until he decides to stop acting. Oh my gosh. Eight weeks on this? Well, it takes a while to get to it. So this is so interesting. I, I don't <laughs> want you to, I know this, we're going to talk about this film, I promise, but I'm like mm-hmm. really drawn into this discussion now because I've never heard this in the world of like- This is all Sam Christensen. I can't take, I cannot take credit for this, but but yeah, I mean, I mean, ask me anything you want. I mean- Was it, was it mind blowing for you? Like when you discovered yours? Yeah. Wow. Because you know how, because you can ask people about your type. You're like, how would you describe me? And those are not really getting to like, what does, what do people see behind your eyes when you come on camera or when you're on stage, you know, because they're going to see brown hair. They're going to see I'm five, four, they're going to, you know, they're going to see whatever, but there's a, there's a spectrum that I'm operating on, which, um, is basically he, his words were, um, I'm operating on a spectrum of discernment. So it's either that I'm hyper focused and know exactly what to do, or I'm just completely not interested. Wow. Oh my gosh. That is so good. That is so, so that's good. My, and you could, you could say like wise and naive too. That's another way that I looked at it. Cause I was like, I don't even know what discernment means. <laughs> but, totally. Totally. But well, yeah. That, yes. That goes back to you wanting to have discussions about like acting theory and us and that Shakespeare thing. Like our conversations were about like, who here in Boston is really doing like what we both feel was like the real work based on some <laughs> ideals we had about like what acting was supposed to be. Like we right. were always doing that. But totally. at the same time, Addie, like I can also feel, I see another reality for you where like you got out of school and all you were doing was like pretty little liars kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Like I see the world where you could have just been in high school things and like your type was like kind of like a sassy like high school girl. And I'm like this girl kind of got around this and like stepped into something more powerful. And now that I know that like you took this I would have taken the pretty little liars job. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. But this is like but, a different but that's frame. It, yeah. I I don't know. I wonder, I feel like this essence thing is like really something that also in general, like people should learn about for themselves too, beyond acting. Yeah. And he, Sam 
used to coach business people. I mean, he coached a lot of different kinds of people, but he did focus on actors. Um, and it, I mean, it's, it's technically like a branding course, Yeah. but what you get to, and he's actually very spiritual too. Like he, he it was kind of this, he would talk about Freud and he would talk about, um, Oh God, who was Freud's the guy? Young, the Carl Young. Yes. He actually talked what? about him more because it was this whole thing. Oh my God. You know what? archetypes yeah and then he talked about joseph campbell yes which made me read um the hero with a thousand faces and totally oh my i mean and that just like blew my mind that we're all telling the same story yes so it that was like he was really like a guru like he he was like an enlightened being that man he he not only was like helping struggling actors he was also like teaching them history psychology like he was just wow these are the type of people i love and the type of people that like you know even this podcast hopefully is a tribute too because i i love like brains like that that just kind of like yeah help other people's brains that help you expand um yeah Exactly. Yeah. But look, I mean, you are so, so the reason I've had you on is because you've just had like kind of a run recently of producing, writing, directing, and acting in short mm-hmm. films. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the one that I had the pleasure, I was so honored, Addy. I was like, <laughs> when you reached out to me, I was like, what? She still <laughs> thinks I could like work with this? She's out in LA doing all this stuff. Like, how am I being considered for this? Um, it was for a piece called. It didn't even have a name at the time, or maybe it did. I don't know. But uh, Punch Me In is the name Mm -hmm. of this film. Uh, Takes place in uh, sort of a town off of Boston. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, it's in Framingham, but (laughs) I don't know how to describe Framingham. Um, Because your brother brother actually is, he works at a uh, music recording studio in in Framingham, Massachusetts. Uh, And he is in the DJ scene. He is in the music production scene. Mm-hmm. And you and your family, uh, you know, you grew up in Beacon Hill. You grew, you're a Boston gal through and through from growing up there and stuff like that. You wanted to do a tribute to that. But I also know there's there's another story to why you really wanted to do a, uh, a film as a tribute. So why don't you talk a little bit about Punch Me Into the Origin and how it fit into like sort of your family's timeline as well? Yeah, well, it, um, I, I just... Brendan came home with Brendan now is well, Brendan's my brother and Brendan's a a music producer and a writer. And he started working at Red 13 Studios in Framingham, Massachusetts when he graduated from college in 2013, I believe. No, that's no 2017. I graduated in 2013. Um, Okay. In 2017. And um, he just was coming home with all these incredible stories of all the people that he was meeting at this studio and how much he was learning. And he met his now producing partner who I also live with. We all live together in LA now. And I just was like, this is just too good. Like these stories of these people are just like incredible. And there's so many more, like I would love to do a feature of this. I mean, I actually think it'd be better as a TV show, but yeah, this story of this, but I, I just, I wanted to be in it. And I wanted to direct it. I also wanted to write it. Um, and I just wanted to play something that I really hadn't played 
probably in a, in a really long time, which is kind of this like sassy, egotistical lady who yeah. is this very green music producer. She's talented, but she is like, you know, she's in Framingham, Massachusetts. She doesn't have a lot of um, real professional experience of dealing with difficult situations or just making it not all about you. Right, right. And so that's that was the concept. And, you know, so my brother was definitely the inspiration and his producing partner. And then, um, you know, as we were developing the script... The other actor that I, I really wanted to play, and it's it's also like loosely based on clients that my brother has has worked with, um, very loosely. And, yeah, yeah. Um, and so, but but then we got Damien Washington attached, who is not only of I mean he's a fantastic actor, and I know him from LA. He's also a rapper, and I was like, all right, perfect, like yes. exactly who I need. And but he also is this huge multiple sclerosis advocate in the YouTube space and on social media. And I just was like, Hey, if you're comfortable with it, like, I think this could be a really interesting dynamic for the characters to kind of be dealing with throughout um, the script. And that, you know, he's not comfortable telling her this at first or what he's going through. And she kind of takes things too personally and sort of that struggle with, um, you know, Maeve, the character that I play, um, yeah. that she kind of misinterprets and sort of, yeah, she kind of blows it at first with him and sort of how she works to kind of get him. He's a big client. So how she works to get him back. Yeah. 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 I love, you know, uh, <laughs> I, I got to play your, I, I guess your brother's boss, in the sense, the 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 really the owner of the studio, and I love how like collaborative the film is because even the well the girl who played that character, Megan. Yeah, she was my my co-director. Yeah, and she and she was like mainly the on-set director because I was in every scene, so that was a little tricky. But I did most of like you know we. I did some heavy lifting on the um, pre-production end yes. and she did a lot of the heavy lifting on during production. And then together we've been very collaborative in the, in the post-production phase. So um, it's worked out really well and she was so awesome. But, um, but yeah, I mean, that was a really exciting thing to have Megan be a part of Con, which was something I mentioned earlier. And so she's been a great collaborator this you know whole time. And she's a fantastic, she's so funny in this. She's so funny in yeah, this yeah. and um just a great she was just a really great energy because I was comp I was very I I'm just so glad that she was there and agreed to co-direct because I I don't I could not have done it without her yeah 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 do you like working in like that kind of uh collaborative environment of course yeah I think that what I'm learning, I, I think the hardest part is just finding the right collaborators is finding the mm. people that you jive with and finding the people that like, you know, you get each other. So, and I think, cause I've really been filmmaking or, you know, I've, that was my third short that I had done. I'm about to do my fourth next week. Oh, wow. <laughs> and, um, so, and you learn, you learn something new each time and it, it gets better and better. I, I love collaboration. It does come with compromise 
and it does come with, and it does get emotional. You're tired. So emotions step in and yeah, you know, I didn't sleep that much that whole week. So, um, and that's part of the fun, but it, it's, it's a, it's, it's really the hardest. It's the hardest thing I've ever done to be perfectly honest is making a movie. It might be just 12 minutes, but it's the hardest 12 minutes of my life. <laughs> wow. Wow. I didn't realize so that, that. Yeah. yeah. What about the idea that this was, uh, and I don't know if this, like, I don't think it spoils anything, um, that this was filmed in Framingham, Massachusetts, in Boston. Like, uh, I know that that was significant Mm -hmm. for you. Can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, I wanted to shoot something um, in Boston because my family was moving. We... I lived, I lived in Boston for 28 years and we moved out of Boston in January of 2020. Wow. So it was kind of a last hurrah, which is my first short film. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, yeah, it was, it was really important to me to shoot something in Boston before I left. And so that, that was really special too. Thank you for reminding me of that. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think it's kind of a key thing. I mean, that's why I, you you also were like Reg. You were like, we met in Boston. Like, I want to so make full this, circle. I want it to be very local. I want it to feel local. Um, yeah, yeah, and I think that it has its own. You know, there we are. Actually, probably one of my favorite scenes in the film is it's a, the outdoor shot that actually ended up coming out super great. But it's so Boston. Like, you walk outside and you're like, this is not New York. This is not Chicago. Like it's just, it's a very Boston um, feeling. So that that's special because, you know, Boston will always have a warm and fuzzy place in my heart. Yeah, no, I'm honored. I got to be a part of that tribute. Uh, where do you yeah. think this fits into your trajectory of like Last Hurrah, which, you mm. know, was a very... I mean, it was, it had really hilarious moments, but like mm-hmm. very dark. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Um, and then mm-hmm. the ceremony, which is like, also seems to be kind of like a little more, I don't Sinister. know. Yeah. Yeah. Like what is, and then this is, it almost feels like it's a different, complete, yeah, they're very different genres. Totally different. In. What is uh, your interest in that? Like, how are you moving through these different types of films? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, the ceremony, which you, which will be available to watch in October on um, various festival platforms. We're going to be at um, LA Short Fest online on October 7th. And at another festival that I haven't announced yet, but there's another festival. Yeah, in October and too. there was a huge. There was a. Was that the big? There was a big announcement for the ceremony that just came out, right? What was? Yeah, what was that? we got into an Oscar qualifying short film festival called oh LA. Oh gosh! Congratulations! Thank you. Yeah, so that was our second film that I co-wrote with Lee Hurst, who I did Last Hurrah with, and yeah. then we, on the set of Last Hurrah, we came up with the ceremony. And um, ceremony is very different, very stylized, not a ton of dialogue. It's very visual. It's, it's a horror thriller. And it's actually, it's based on, um, if you've been watching The Vow on HBO, which oh, is a docu-series. Oh my gosh. I was just talking about this with someone. It is so fascinating, Addie. Yeah. So it's based on Nexium and ES- ESP, which ESP. is the cults. Yeah. Yeah. And DOS, the, the eventual like 
female sex cults. Yes, yes, yes. Hey, master. Hey, girl. Yeah. Oh, God. (laughs) Yeah. So it's messed up. It's it's loosely based on that, or we took a lot of inspiration from it. But it's really like a weird horror daydream. I I don't think it's like that scary. It's more like a thriller. Um, There's blood, but um, there's some really beautiful shots, some really cool effects, and it's very short. It's like six minutes and fifty seconds. Um, very proud of that. And very, yeah. And then I did, then I did punch me in, which, you know, I think was just something that I was like, you know, I'm back in Boston. I I was collaborating with Will Gregg, who was the editor and, um, was also the assistant director. And, um, I love the team though. Everybody on that, that crew, uh, was fantastic. Like, All those bosses, you know, there were some college kids who were helping out and I, it was awesome. Like mm-hmm. you, you got a good crew together or, or Will assembled, like knew some good people too. Like yeah, you guys Will, really. Will did. So yeah, I was home and I, you know, I, I knew I was going to be home for a while because we were moving and the holidays and I was going to help my family pack up the house. And I was like, you know what? I should shoot something while I'm home. And so teamed up with Will and he connected me with a bunch of people. And then I brought Megan in and you and Damien. So it just all ended up like magically working out. And, you know, I just, I knew I had to write it because it was like a very personal kind of family story, um, you know, and it's all, you know, so it is different. I'm collaborating with, with Lee Hurst again on this next one, which will feel which it's not a horror movie at all this time, yeah. um, but it's a dark, it's a, it's a dark comedy. And I think when, and, and I think it's just following again, following that inspiration, I do lean towards comedy and that sort of witty banter. And I do love a good mystery. Um, I do love a surprise. Yeah, I, we're both fans of Lost, the greatest show of all time. One of the greatest shows of all time. <laughs> I do. I, I do. I do. Yes. You know, Lost and people, so good. people hate, people still hate on that show. And I'm just like, I actually love the ending. Well, we've definitely talked about this, but I know you liked it more than I did, but I will say that like, just overall as an experience, oh, I yeah. grade it as like one of the top five most important pieces of art to ever enter my life. Yes, absolutely. It has influenced oh, I everything that. I do. It is like J.J. Abrams, I don't know if you've ever seen that TED Talk he did about the mystery box. Like, like he was a kid. He, how all of his work is based on like, because he, he used to be into magic. And like the magic That's store in New York right. City had like, they had a Tannins mystery box, which was like the magic store. You didn't know what was going to be inside this box, whether it was pranks, magic trick, like maybe a book or something. And like, he tries to bring a mystery box into every single film or TV project he does. And to me, that is so, that is so juicy, Addie. Because Lost gave you that episode episode after episode um no and, and I, I love think, i, I think and you I, play with that too in your work yeah no i i like i always want i want some mystery i want some comedy i don't mind a little bit i don't love gore so i'm not i'm not interested in gore becoming like you know i mean there's certain things i'm just i'm not interested in but i love a good kind of twist i love a twist yes. and i love humor so I think that's where the dark comedy thing comes in. And even in, in Punch Me In, there's a twist. So, or there's just more of a surprise um, review. Yes, and yes. So, and I, I love that. So, you know, I think my, my like, you know, yes, Lost is definitely a big and my favorite show. I mean, I'm super influenced by like The West Wing. So that like really fast writing. Yes, for sure. I see that in um, your work. Even though it's not like a, like a political 
thing, but that's one of my favorite shows of all time. And then like The Office, which I think yes. is a perfect show. Um, so those are, and like Gilmore Girls. Which yes. Which has that witty. Yes, totally, brilliant. totally. And Veronica Mars. Veronica Mars, I think is like, is, well, we don't have to talk about the fourth season, but uh-huh. on Hulu, but that's like a perfect, that's like a dark mystery comedy. That's just like, oh, so, so good. So yeah. I love that kind of, and I would love to do like, like I, one of my favorite movies is the movie Clue. Oh, oh yeah. Which is like a perfect movie. Yes. I think it's just perfect. I love and, that. I love it. The alternate endings. So good. And it's right. Cause it's so exciting. You're never bored. It doesn't hold you captive. You're like, I'm only here for an hour and a half. You're giving me alternative endings. Like, this is fantastic. It's like, you know, it's how I felt like watching The Hangover for the first time where I was like, this is the most exciting thing I've ever seen in my life. Yes. I have no idea what's going to happen. And I love that feeling in a theater. And so I think in some way I'm trying to figure out how to do that. And it, it never really happens where you're like, what is going to happen? Yes. That's why theater frustrates me sometimes, especially the work I saw in college, like like they told me was great acting because it was like, I'm so much more entertained by watching Kiefer Sutherland as Jack Bauer on 24 than I am at this beautifully acted Chekhov. Like it killed me sometimes, but then I had good teachers that like would work on scenes and they'd do a little like, like sometimes the scene work became more interesting than like an entire show of those. Totally. I agree with that. I I think that's incredibly valid that sometimes just a 10 minute scene can be the most interesting thing you and you don't need anything more you're like that was like an encyclopedia i mean like it's it it feels like it holds as much information as an encyclopedia in a 10 minute checkoff scene that's done well in class yes yes over four hours do you think you're still i mean this uh this interview that voyage la did with you Mm -hmm. um you talk about stuff that i just hadn't heard you say before about sort of how your production company uh north node specializes in stories told from a feminine perspective and the exploration of self-centeredness and selfishness this really intrigued me because you told me once you were like greg i don't think la is as superficial as people say it is but and then i have other people that are like oh my gosh it's the most superficial thing ever tell me this what is your relationship to superficiality in los angeles and then i want to delve into how your work explores more of self-centeredness yeah so Mm, I think I got really lucky when I came out here because I I had my NYU friends who were very down to earth, if not just a little like, I think the worst thing about NYU kids is that they're like a little snobby about their taste. Right. You, you <laughs> yes. know what I mean? Like everybody's oh, yeah. just like, mm, it could have been done a little bit more like this. Like yes, that totally. literally, I literally just embodied somebody that I actually know. <laughs> <laughs> totally, totally. Um, so that's probably the worst thing about NYU kids. But other than that, and then I, I then I joined Leslie Kahn, where I met this huge group of people who, and you can't go through Leslie Kahn unless you're a really hard worker, because you would just leave immediately. They kind of weed, would weed you out because it's like you do this intensive and it's literally the most intense two weeks. Yeah. So I just met a group of really hardworking people 
who were also very business oriented, but also very talented. And I just feel like I got very lucky in terms of, I don't have any superficial friends and I don't really, and anytime I smell or feel that like, there is nothing that turns me off more than people trying to compete with me or Mm. trying to one up me. Like I will be so out of there so fast. And sometimes that happens at parties or with people that I don't really know. But I just know, like, I'm, I'm so not interested in, I, I mean, maybe I, some people like pursue those kinds of people and maybe I would be further. I don't, I don't believe that. So what you mean is that when you say that, like, it's not that much, it's not that the culture isn't, or that there isn't like a huge piece of it that is, it's that you were able to find a community of people yeah. that weren't. And if you want to escape it, like, keep looking because they are actually out there. Yeah. And I think that in any place you're going to find, I mean, I believe in, you know, it's, it's yin and yang. So you're going to have a lot of people that are great and a lot of people who really aren't great. And that's just the way that it is. And so just try to find more of the great people that you get along with and, and it's okay to have a tight circle. Yeah. Um, I just think in terms of, and a lot of it's, and especially because now I'm in, in more of this, like I'm reaching out to people and trying to collaborate with, you know, I'm just, I'm extending my network of filmmakers of, you know, sound and lighting and, you know, directors of photography. So in that sense, it's, you know, being mindful in those first couple conversations with them. But I just, I, I don't even run into it there. It's just about finding people that, you know, you feel like want to make art, like, you know, similar, you have similar ambitions and you like their work. And I think just focusing on the work, I think it's really easy to find people who just aren't doing any work. Yeah. 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 And that gets to, you know, what you were kind of saying earlier, though, I'm sure we went off a tangent from that about like the work, like, like yeah. being just find pursuing. busy people. That's the yeah. thing. I think in LA, it's really easy to get distracted because there's the beach and there's hiking and it's pretty. Yeah, right. But it's just, if you just attach yourself at the hip to people who are busy and you'll stay in a good. And doing creative things that inspire you. I mean, or like invested in those kind of things. Yeah. And I think, you know, in terms of that, like selfishness that you were, you were talking about, you know, when I quote was quoted um, in that article, um, I think what I, I think this past year has made me think about selfishness in terms of like activism. Mm. And I think that that was more, and I think there is kind of that undertone as well. I mean, I was talking about multiple themes now in all of my phones, which just sounds ridiculous, but <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but like there is a conversation there, I mean, especially in the ceremony, but about narcissism that I'm very interested in, in terms of like what narcissism is and how it affects the world. Mm, so yeah. that as well and sure that's in LA too but I don't know I'm interested in like talking about it more yeah yeah self-centeredness and selfishness yeah I think it's um well I mean I I think the biggest thing that has come out of this pandemic is kind of like the big question of like well if we can't go out and we can't do all these like high end exclusive like fire festival level things that with our lives like then what are we doing all the work for mm-hmm. and <laughs> just because like 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 a lot of people's lifestyles shut down and they were faced with themselves i've been talking to this a lot with other people and i've been really wondering about mm. 
actors and mm. and and filmmakers and just like how this time has forced them to confront their own day-to-day existence in terms of like Dude. what am i doing this for so honestly this is the first year and that i think that was the scariest when everything shut down i was like i was really sad and i mean everybody was i'm not I just was like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know when everything will go back to normal. It doesn't feel like it's ever going to go back to normal. And like, why am I doing this? It was sort of the first, I've had many, I've had many like identity career crises. That's not true. They've been big, but. Right. right. We all do. We all do. Especially artists. Oh my gosh. Yeah. But this one felt like. I don't know what I'm doing this for. Like I re and especially in June when the protests were, the Black Lives Matter protests were happening and I was participating in them and just so much activism was um, just literally everything I was focusing on. It just was like, what, why am I so absorbed in like, like do, do, do perform, perform, perform. I, I, and it was for the first time I was like, all I really want to do is like put up a sheet in my backyard and like put on Midsummer's Night Dream. Wow. Did you? I haven't yet. <laughs> I have this film to do, but then after I think I will. <laughs> yeah. Let us know about that. We'll promote that too. That um, yeah. That's awesome. Like perform, like accomplish and like have something to like brag about and like make X amount of money and like all this, it just all f- came crashing down. I think in in June, because I was just like, there is so much more important stuff going on in the world. People are, we are screwed. And I, I just felt like, I don't know. It just was like, I'm not being helpful enough. Not yeah. Enough. Do you think, do you think this film punch me in, um, <laughs> could do anything to help the world? Probably not. <laughs> um, <laughs> Well, It'll take people I, away for a little bit. <laughs> It'll take Yeah, it. it's certainly fun. I mean, it does, I think it touches on women in the workspace, but it also sort of spins that on its head too. And, you know, I think there's, I mean, Damien, there's a multiple sclerosis undertone to this. I think Damien um, does like such a beautiful job with that. So yeah, so do you. So no, it's not, I, I don't think it's out. I think it's, I do think what it's talking about in terms of in general with the selfishness that we are in this cycle of um, is, you know, how we just take things so personally and we think everything's about us. And like, if somebody says something to you, you're like, they're an asshole. I'm going to get defensive. Like this whole defensiveness thing. Yes. And that's definitely what the movie explores where it's like, you know what, why don't you just be a professional and realize like, you can't get defensive like that. Yeah, yeah. No, it is, uh, I think it is a great lesson. Um, It's a lesson that, you know, I mean, Brendan said was, your brother said was really real that Maeve is going through. Like, that is something that, you know, he's personally dealt with, like, like having his own ego, like, be checked as somebody that, you know, because you do, you get the start, you feel like you start knowing stuff in that battle between self-mastery and knowledge of your craft and, 
the space for you to realize that maybe you don't know everything mm. is a constant tug of war that um, definitely for some people, some people take it like really hard. Like they mm. think they know everything and then they get, you know, smacked with truth. And then all of a sudden they're like, well, I need to quit completely. And I feel like this was, a, this movie is a great lesson in being like, here's how you gracefully handle not, gracefully handle admitting that you're not really, you might not be a big deal yet. And yeah, and that okay. you're wrong, that you're 100% yeah. wrong. I think it's so hard for us to admit that we're wrong because that means, because for whatever reason, when we were growing up, if we're wrong, we're bad. And if we're bad, yes. well, then I, I, I can't be a bad person. That's also happening in this film. But I just think it's very interesting to see when people are wrong, how they're just like, well, I didn't mean it that way. You know, I didn't mean it that way. Instead of just being like, oh, okay, I see. I, I see what you're saying. Um, okay, I, I totally understand. And then moving on. I don't know why that's so hard for people. I yeah. really don't. And it's, I mean, sometimes it's hard for me because you're like, I don't want to, I don't want to be like, I, I want to be tough and I want to be strong. And, but it's also like, why do I have these like swords up all the time? Or we all do, I guess. It's just yeah, shame nice. related to parents, probably. Like it's, yeah. I mean, if there's any, if there's anything I've learned in my studies of like fringe hypnosis and psychology, like probably something between ages three to seven where your yeah. parents shamed you and like, but yeah. it's still so, it's so hard. I mean, I, I deal with it all the time of like, having to i mean even when a director gives you notes on a film or or on a stage sometimes like i have to do that like mm, why didn't they like my choice first okay wait a minute they see something i didn't they're right boom like it's fair it's just right and getting yourself into that place of it's humbling it's just being humble it's just and it's also i want to stress like as a director too i think what mave went through literally in this film is also what i was going through behind the scenes or behind the scenes behind the camera like you know yeah. this was my biggest directorial moment i was also in it and i was producing you know it was a lot and i was definitely struggling with all of that too that those feelings of like trying not to take things personally and trying to like not let certain people's energy, what, you know, like that's all part of the creative process. And it's just, like you said, a lot of people will take that criticism where somebody's like, oh, you know what? I didn't like the way blah, blah, blah. Or like somebody looking at you a weird way or some, whatever it is, or someone just criticizing you, giving you a bad review and they'll quit. Yeah. And they'll just be like, or they'll, you know, never work with that person again or say mean things about them. And, you know, I just hope that we can, I mean, and I'm not perfect in this, but I just want to get to a point where, you know, that's not really what's happening anymore. I, you know, like the, the whole taking things so personally and, um, yeah, I think what you said about people being more humble, like, like, or, or not being humble, being okay with like experiencing humility. Like yeah. if that was a practice, if people oh. could actively practice that, like, I mean, that would be huge. Yeah. And that's what, to me, because filmmaking is so many moving parts, it is so humbling because as much as I am prepared, like, so next week I'm shooting a short film called High Horse. As much as I'm prepared for that, right, this very moment, I know I'm going to mess something up. And that's right. humility, like just going and being like, 
I know I'm going to drop the ball somehow in some way, even though, because that is the nature of creativity. Like creation's not, nothing is perfect about it and something will inevitably go wrong, but that doesn't mean it's bad. doesn't mean you suck. doesn't mean you're, you're a failure. It's just lessons, learning, growing, and it's hard. Yes, yes. Well, look, I I definitely, I experienced humility on the set of Punch Me In, certainly when it came to like how to hold a cigarette on camera. That was, (laughs) um, it's like such a a good job, though. I really, we, it's all in there. It all made it in the film. Oh my gosh. I, I'm so excited to see the, per- look, I mean, when, when is the earliest the public the is public. able to see Punch Me In? What's um, happening with it right now? You can, you can speak about oh. it. I know you're submitting it for festivals and stuff. Yeah, we're um, finishing up color and sound as we speak. They're actually doing a VRX effect today. That's, oh, awesome. And I should be reviewing that tonight. They're sending me that. So by next next week, we're done, done. We just have to cut a trailer next week. I'm also on set next week, so that's probably not going to happen. So I think it will be done and submitted in two weeks, and then the public can see it in 2021. Yeah. You might get an exclusive preview because we're <laughs> cast. Yes. I'm so excited. I'm so excited for this. Uh, Addie Doyle of <laughs> the gold-digging, acting, filmmaking fame uh, com is where you can check out all her work. Uh, we're definitely going to, in the show notes, link to all your social media. Um, and yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, I, I definitely <laughs> love everything you're doing and I'm excited to see, you know, what you do next, what your body of work is going to be. Yeah. I think, again, I think it goes back to that, just following the creative spark and what interests you and being humble. <laughs> Yes, yes. Thank you for making me humble tonight. And again, on your film set, Addie Doyle. <laughs> You're awesome. You were awesome. <laughs> uh, Addie Doyle, thanks again for coming on the show. Thank you. Oh, my. What do you think my essence words are? I've been really sitting with this. I love Keanu Reeves, right? Lucky and unlucky. Addie discernment disinterest greg neurotic and less neurotic but we'll figure it out actually you know what here's what i'll here's what i'll ask you if you know what my spectrum of words is feel free send me an email greg that's g-r-e-g at open-loops.com that's greg at open-loops.com curious what you think it is and for yourselves I mean what do you think your spectrum words are it certainly sounds like a useful tool I was so happy that Addie blew my mind in that way we always had mind-blowing conversations about acting and you know acting actors talking about acting is kind of a it's kind of boring unless you're in it Uh, Kind of like doing improv. Uh, Oh, that's a controversial statement. I'll get into that some other episode. Addie Doyle, though, she is a delightful person. And I I love that she's kind of got that Kubrick thing or Kubrick, as they say. Liquid Kubrick brings in the Shakespeare and the proper pronunciation all in one go. 
doing a different style of short film every time. Love that dedication. Love that she's into the darkness. Love that she's into the twist. Open loops. This is a theme park. We're all about the twist. We're all about the upside down. If my life could constantly be like a, hey, let's hear the twist, like like living life, and then here's a complete twist, I think I would enjoy getting up every day even more. Uh, that's what I do this podcast for, so that I could share all the things that are blowing my mind with you. You want some more mind-blowing stuff? This October, get ready. We have some... We have some fairies. We have an interview with an interdimensional alien coming up. You're definitely going to love it. And you're also going to love Punch Me In when it comes out. I'll keep you posted on it. Know my essence? I know you do. Greg at open-loops.com. Please, help me. I love all of you. And I really, and you, I'm talking to you, I love you the most. All right. Take care, everybody. Thank you.